What is good, guys? Welcome to Top House Sports, where we analyze and break down sports games from the week, as well as reactions and predictions from this past week. I'm Hansel Chiu, along with Katie Matamid, and we have a lot to talk about, so let's get started. So the trade deadline right around the corner in the NFL, and already a lot of big names, Bradley Chubb and Jeff Wilson just announced traded to the Dolphins. And if you're a Dolphins fan, I'm pretty sure you're really happy with this trade. You have an elite pass rusher now onto your team, along with a really, really reliable running back in Jeff Wilson. So what was your reaction when you saw this trade for the Dolphins, and how do you think this compares to other teams in the AFC? Um. Well, as we know, the AFC is really, really good right now. We have the Chiefs and the Bills, I feel like, on top. But this trade helps the Dolphins more than they know. I feel like this turns their defense into a great defense, into an elite defense. And Bradley Chubb really has the ability to make an impact if he's healthy. So I think he'll fit in to this team really well. And going forward, like, they replace, they also gave away Chase Edmonds, but they replaced him with a power back. And that is going to be also very good because we know that Raheem Mostert is, like, more of a speedster. And so we'll see the dual threat of them being able to alleviate stress in the backfield. And I'm excited for this offense to fully come back healthy because we know that two has been through a lot so far this year, but the wide receivers have not stopped performing. And so now that everything's coming together, I think that they do have the ability to be contenders for sure. Oh, definitely. And the trade package for Bradley Chubb was a first round Chase Edmonds and a couple of draft picks from the Dolphins to the Broncos. And I think it was a pretty reasonable price tag for Bradley Chubb. And the Broncos, they gave up that first round pick for Russ- Russell Wilson, but now they got it back from the Dolphins. I think that's a really great investment for into the future. And also have a Chase Edmonds, a reliable running back for the time being for the Denver Broncos until they can figure out their running back situation without Javante Williams. And for the Dolphins, again, like you said, a reliable running back with Jeff Wilson. This will take the Dolphins to Super Bowl contention, I believe. You have Tua playing out of his mind when he's playing. He's been really, really solid. I would say he's at least a top seven quarterback in the league when healthy. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle has been feasting every time Tua is on the field. So I don't see anywhere this Dolphins offense can stop because they've been playing phenomenal. Mike Kosicki is also stepping his level of play up. And like you said, with Raheem Moser and Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, more of a speed type running back, was able to be elusive on the field and have elite speed. But Jeff Wilson's going to come in, be the power back in the goal line, get extra yardage, and fight through contact. So it's a really great one-two punch for this Dolphins running back offense. And for the defense, we already have a really great secondary with Javon Holland, Xavier Howard, and Byron Jones, who hasn't even been playing at all. So it's a really great secondary, and they have a pass rush with Bradley Chubb now. This is going to be elite defense. I don't really see where... They have a hole in this uh, in this team because offense is covered. Now defense is now an upgraded even more. Kicking is really great too. So this Dolphins team, I would say a top three in the AFC. Yeah, that's definitely agreeable. And now to move on to, I feel like one of the more exciting trades this deadline. We saw TJ Hawkinson get traded to the Vikings, man. And I think that this completes their offense. They haven't had a reliable tight end in so long. We've seen the just struggle of Irv Smith and even Tyler Conklin in years past. But now they have TJ Hawkinson, who arguably is a top three tight end. So I think that this will be like the just they put everything into this season so far. And I feel like if Kirk Cousins doesn't like perform up to expectations, he will move on because this team is so good, both on offense and defense. So it's just hit or miss time. If you get it, you get it. Kirk Cousins performs. Hopefully yeah, he does. But we've known in years past he struggled to be that guy. The Vikings are six and one. I think they're number two in the uh, in the NFC right now. So there's a lot, a lot of pressure on Kirk Cousins to perform for this Vikings team. I don't think I've seen a Vikings team this high in the playoff standings ever in my time of watching football. This is their 
pretty much their, their boomer bust season because they have Justin Jefferson, who is going to be up for a payday really, really soon. Thielen is getting older, so he's not going to be as consistent as always. Dalvin Cook, he's getting older in age too. We've seen him with injury concerns in the past, so who knows how much he's going to hold up in the following seasons as well. So now they added TJ Hawkinson. There's no excuse for Kirk Cousins to not perform anymore. You have a really reliable running back in Dalvin Cook who's able to catch passes as well. Justin Jefferson's looking as one of the top elite wide receivers to ever play this game. Thielen has always been consistent as always, and now TJ Hawkinson. Nowhere on offense is there a hole where they're struggling at. Offensive line is looking really solid as well. So Kirk Cousins, if he doesn't perform, like he said, his time in the NFL could be up soon. He could be traded from the Vikings and go on to another team because this Vikings team looking really solid. Their defense also solid as well. Harrison Smith, this defense secondary, all looking really great. So for the Vikings, they're going to be competing with the Eagles. I think this could put them in the top three conversation as they already are, but it's going to put them even closer to where the Eagles are. I, I agree completely. And now to move on to one of the like lesser impactful moves, but I still feel like it's it's a lot like he's a young player. So take time. Um, Chase Claypool got traded to the Bears. I think this is a very good move for the Bears. It, but at the same time, they did give up a second round pick. And I think that's going to just m- kind of bite them in the rear. I think that the just they need to be building a draft capital right now in the current position that they are. They're not winning games. Eh, they are, but at a slow rate. Yeah, but this team has so many questions about them now. Without Khalil Mack, they just don't have as talented as, as a, of a team as they have in years past. Roquan, Roquan Smith too gone. So oh, yeah, to the Ravens. Now. Yeah, to the Ravens. And so I think that this team just needs a lot more draft capital for the future to really build up like what they want to be in the future. So I think yeah, trading their second round pick could have been a mistake. But Chase Claypool is still young, so it could prove to also be a good move as well. So we have to see. So we've seen what Claypool has done with the Steelers. There's a lot of ups and downs. We know about two years ago in his rookie season, he had a phenomenal game against the Eagles. So we've seen what Claypool is capable of. And for the Bears, it wasn't like the most eye-popping move. They didn't get like a superstar wide receiver. But Claypool is a solid wide receiver. And on the Bears, he's going to be the wide receiver one. Not going to lie. He's going to be the wide receiver one. Justin Fields now has somebody reliable to target now. He's a really big dude. 6'4", really tall, elite, could jump. So he's he has the physical package for Justin Fields to throw the ball to. Darnell Moody's more of that faster type wide receiver. So they're getting help for Justin Fields. But this is going to take a long process for the Bears. They're going to, they're going to lose games, of course. So they're just going to slowly progress. Hopefully, you know, in the offseason, they're able to make sign- some offseason trades, some signings of key players to help build that offensive line and just help Justin Fields around. But I think this is a great move for them to start getting in that right direction. I agree. And one thing I did want to say, lastly, is that Chase Claypool was a wide receiver, too, in, in um, Pittsburgh. So as we know, Deontay Johnson is not, like, he, he was kind of stun- stunning on his, like, progression in some sort of way and so now i think he has the ability to truly go for the number one wide receiver on that team so maybe he can turn into the player that we thought he was going to be after his rookie year but still time will tell and yeah for sure and naheem hines from the indianapolis colts traded to the bills and another pass catching option for (laughs) josh (laughs) allen asked if he needed any more help on offense so now they have two dynamic running backs with devin singletary who's has progressed to become a really, really great pass-catching running back. 
unexpectedly. And Naheem Hines, we all know, he's like kind of that backup to Jonathan Taylor. But we saw in years past on third down, where it was like third and long, Naheem Hines was sub in for Jonathan Taylor. He would be that pass catching running back. So now more options for Josh Allen to check down the ball to running backs who are able to make plays and have great playmaking abilities to get the ball into open space. So what do you think about the trade for the Bills? Um, Honestly, I think that this just like, you know the team is already really, really good. But like if they were lacking in any position on offense, I feel like it would probably be running back, even though Devin Singletary has been so good this year. I think that their depth in that remark has been kind of slow. Um, James Cook has really not been a factor so far. And Zach Moss was dealt in this trade because he really wasn't doing much either. And so maybe when like it's it's always necessary that you have running backs that are ready to split reps whether it's like a dominant like amount in derrick henry or just half and half as we see sometimes with nick chubb nick chubb and kareem hunt um but like like you said this is a third down back that we're talking about in naheem hines so maybe if devin singletary is like he has worked on it a lot but i don't think his pass catching ability really compares to that of naheem hines so it does add another dimension for this offense like, they really didn't need it, but it's just, like, better for them to have someone reliable that can come off the bench and perform while maybe Devin Singletary either gets injured or just isn't performing up to par. Oh, definitely, yeah. Another sleeper trade that happened today that's just not really talked about because he hasn't been playing at all. Calvin Ridley traded to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So we know uh, Calvin Ridley. He's been a great player. He's able to make plays when he was on the Atlanta Falcons. I think this is a really great trade for Trevor Lawrence as well. Uh, we, now we're seeing him getting more options. We can see what he's now capable of. Calvin Ridley, you know, he's the wide receiver one. You have great options on offense with Travis Etienne and Christian Kirk. So I think this is going to be a great move into next season. Not this season, but next season. The Jaguars, I could see them having a Jets or Giants type season. Yeah, and also, like, this team isn't really performing right now, so they are going to have a good pick as well. So to add maybe, like... I don't know, a top 10, 15 player in this draft, plus getting Calvin Ridley back, having the same team that you have right now. They honestly don't have a bad defense. They may need a couple more pieces, but their defense is really not that bad. So to see this team go out and just try to improve their roster, not for this season, because obviously they're not going to do anything this this year, but they're preparing in the future. And I like to see that. The Jaguars know that they have something with Trevor Lawrence, which they do. And so to see them preparing with Calvin Ridley and maybe a little bit of a tank this year as well it definitely seems to be a good a good moves for them for sure oh definitely yeah let's move on a little bit the eagles are now 8-0 they just crushed the steelers last week in week eight so them being undefeated right now do you think the eagles are the top favorites to win the super bowl um honestly top favorites to win the super bowl no i still think that the teams in the afc are slightly better in that regard i think they have more experience as well um but this team is so good, so it's really hard to tell. Like, I feel like the Eagles can finish anywhere, like, as the Super Bowl. Like, they can very well win the Super Bowl, but I don't know. Their path is relatively easy this year in their games. So the 8-0 record, while it really shows what they've been doing this year, it really doesn't tell the whole story. They're, the majority of the teams that they've played are kind of bad. But at the same time, they should be winning these games, and they have. So it'll be really tough to tell. If they can keep this up going into the postseason, my prediction is that they will, but I don't see them beating those AFC teams. Yeah, the Eagles, they've been looking great. Uh, Justin, not Justin, Jalen Jalen Hurts has been looking like an elite MVP candidate so far this season. His ability to be a dual threat, 
And the addition of AJ Brown has honestly, it's been surprising to me. I know AJ Brown's a great player, but I did not think he was going to have this type of production on this Eagles offense when it was mostly predominantly run heavy. But for the Eagles, I just don't see them competing with some of these AFC teams because I mean, these AFC teams are a whole different monster to fight. The Buffalo Bills, I mean, who can beat them right now? They are unstoppable. Kansas City, still unstoppable as well, even though without Tyree Kill. We also have the uh, Miami Dolphins with the addition of Bradley Chubb and Jeff Wilson with how well with how well um, Tua and Tyreek and Jalen Waddle have been playing. The Eagles, I think they're in the mix, but they're not just there. They're not there yet. And the only reason why is because the playoff experience isn't there for the Eagles. The Buffalo Bills have been there consistently the past couple of years. Um, the Chiefs have always been in the playoffs and already won a Super Bowl. The Eagles, they did lose to Tampa Bay last year, but Jalen Hurts, his run ability, I'm not surprised if they do get into the Super Bowl, but the lack of playoff production, the, la- the lack of playoff experience is really going to hurt the Eagles, I would say. Yeah, and I feel like the biggest competition for the Eagles is probably going to be the 49ers after what we saw them do to the Rams last week. I mean, man, um, Christian McCaffrey, what more can you say about this guy? He is the first NFL player in history to throw for a touchdown, to receive a touchdown, and rush for a touchdown. I mean, what are your like thoughts? What did you see? Like, what went through your mind after seeing that? I mean, I wasn't surprised. Last episode, I said that the 49ers' offense are going to become even more fun to watch with all of the different plays they have been running. Kyle Shanahan and his offense is basically positionless football at this point. With besides the quarterback position, we saw Debo Samuel as a wide receiver turn into a running back at some plays. Now McCaffrey just is literally the perfect fit. He could literally line up as a wide receiver, but he plays as the running back position. So I was not surprised. McCaffrey played quarterback, wide receiver, and running back last week against the Rams. Not surprised to see this. It's just going to turn into fun football to watch because now they're basically playing backyard football. They're doing all these trick plays. It's really, fu- it's really fun to see. But if you're the opposing defense, this is going to be scary to game plan against because now you have so many different options to worry about. And it's not just because, he, oh, this guy Debo Samuel is a really great wide receiver or George Kittle is such a great blocker. He's such a great route runner. Now, now you got to worry about all these different dynamics they're running. It's like, oh, shoot, is McCaffrey playing on the wide receiver now? How do we stop that? Oh, is he going to run? What type of route is he going to run? Oh, when you see Debo Samuel in the running back, are they going to run the ball? <laughs> what is going to happen? Is he going to throw the ball, if anything? So this offense is really going to take another level with McCaffrey. And we all know this 49ers defense, they've been really physical, really great. Um, Hafanga, Fred Warner, all these key players on the 49ers are all coming back healthy with Nick Bosa. They're going to be a top-tier contender, I would say. They're going to compete with the Eagles for sure. For sure, yeah. Um, And also, I wanted to talk, like, touch up on one thing really quickly. Brandon Ayuk has kind of been going under the radar. I think he's really starting to come out and perform like we like how he, we thought he was going to after his rookie season. After his rookie campaign, he was kind of projected to maybe be a potential wide receiver one for that team. And we know Debo Samuel is extremely talented. The dual ability of him being a running back and a wide receiver I mean, what more can you ask for out of a out of a team? You know, they oh, have definitely, run, yeah. They have McCaffrey now too, but I think Brandon Ayuk is starting to take strides in a way that they can alleviate stress for those. And also George Kittle's back and healthy. I think what we mentioned earlier too about Kirk Cousins, this is his moment. If he if he doesn't perform, then he's gonna get like dropped just like that. I think that's the same for Jimmy Garoppolo as well. Oh yeah, I mean we saw that. The 49ers traded up three first-round picks to get Trey Lance in the draft last year. Unfortunately, he did go down this year, which it was really it really sucked to see. But Jimmy G was already planned as the backup. Now he's the starter because of this injury. And like we said, 
with all of these offensive players, with all these weapons, if he doesn't get the 49ers to a conference championship or a conference appearance or the Super Bowl, this guy could be out in the NFL. You have all these players. He's not even the starting quarterback on his team. So if this of him as a backup is not able to perform, I don't see anywhere where he can go in the NFL as a person that the, any NFL team could rely on because he's already the backup. He can't even get this really studded 49ers team to a conference finals or the championship. Yeah, I don't see where he can go anywhere because what team is going to want him to help their team go to the next level? The thing is, he can't help their team, their team if he doesn't prove himself this year. He's in a position right now where everything is set up for success. And if he can't perform, then he's going to get dropped and he's not going to get picked up by any other team because he's going to be notorious for not being able to do what a QB should be able to do, and which is lead their team. Oh, definitely, yeah. And a person that wasn't able to lead their team, Steve Nash, wasn't able to lead the Brooklyn Nets <laughs> to not even a conference finals appearance. Uh, just happened earlier today, Steve Nash fired from the head coach position in Brooklyn. What was your reaction when seeing that, and where do you see the Nets going from here? I mean, I wasn't surprised at all. I feel like this team has been just so disappointing. As we know, they got swept by the Celtics last year. Nobody protected that. Nobody at all. And so to see that happen, to see all the frustrations that they're showing like through these first few games of the season, like Ben Simmons, we know how dramatic he is. We know Kyrie. Ky- what, what more can you say about Kyrie? I feel like he's the Kanye West of the NBA. Um, and Kevin Durant began this season by just wanting to be traded. So there's so many question marks around this team. Now that they're without a coach, that's another one for them. So what do you think they're going to do from here? There's rumors about Ime Udoka, who I really don't think is a good fit at all because of how the, the situation in Boston ended. But do you see them going after him and trying to sign the email Doka? Um, t- Steve Nash, you see, he was a great player in the NBA. He did have that offensive IQ. I just don't think he was in the right spot as a head coach. I think he would have been fit perfectly in the assistant coach where he's just able to drop plays, find offensive schemes, defensive schemes for other teams, all that type of cool stuff. As a head coach, though, you need to be able to control players, not just drop plays and all that. You need to be able to control the team as well and Steve Nash just wasn't able to control the team he wasn't able to control each other's egos and all that stuff Ime Udoka I know he has all that controversy right now but I think it would be a perfect fit to be completely honest with you last year we saw the Celtics they did struggle early on the season but what happened later on they brought to, they were together as a team not only with the players but as a coach everyone in the organization was on the same page and how did they do that they got the respect of Ime Udoka I know he has all this controversy right now, but if they could all put that aside and Ime Udoka has earned the respect of all these players, I think this could turn the season around for the Nets if he's hired as the position. Because right now what the Nets need is a coach that's able to hold everyone in check, hold everyone accountable, control everyone's egos, and just that. But they don't need a coach that's able to make all these cool different plays who can make all these cool def- uh, defensive adjustments because they have all the players needed to do all that. They just need to get a coach who's going to put the ball together in the right place. Yeah, the only thing, though, is we, we've seen, like, they need a coach that can put, like, some type of control on this team. And Ime Udoka can't even, like, control his own sexual, like, desires. So it'll be tough to see, like, <laughs> um, if he it does become this Brooklyn Nets coach. He does have intel for the Celtics, which is one of their division rivals and a, a fellow contender. So... That can be also proved to be useful down the line, but I really don't think that's gonna work. I don't think he's gonna get the respect for this team. I don't like. I don't know. I don't think the average coach will get like the respect from this team. They have to work for it. <laughs> all these pe- all these players are personalities, so it'll be tough. And seeing what happened this year with Imo Doka, maybe fire all your female employees <laughs> as well. 
I mean, for the Brooklyn Nets, I mean, if they can't find a coach, to be completely honest, that could control these players' egos, I think it might might be time to just blow it all up. Um, gotta get Kevin Durant out of there, get Kyrie out of there, get Ben Simmons, try to get as much capital as he can from all of them, because if you can't have a coach that's able to control all these egos we all saw, it's not going to work out. They're already struggling this season, they couldn't do anything last year, and just unfortunately, they just couldn't make it work in 2020 as well. And they already had basically all the best players you could have at every position. And they're just not even they're not even able to make the conference finals of anything. <laughs> so if they can't find a coach that could just control everyone's egos, I think it's just time to blow it up for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. And <laughs> what did the Brooklyn Nets do to start this year? They traded their first round pick for Royce O'Neal. So <laughs> I don't know. This this team has so many question marks around it. I really hope they can figure it out because there's so much talent on this team and it's really going to waste. The final prime years of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, even though he's a questionable personality, he's such a terrific player. And Ben Simmons, he hasn't played basketball in two years. So I don't really know where his head's at right now. But yeah, this team should be really good on paper and they're just not performing. So I'm excited to see what the front office has in store, coaching wise, to help this team maybe overcome these obstacles. But for now, I don't know, man. It's not looking too bright. For sure. And another team that's in the question marks right now the Los Angeles Clippers after a very solid win against the Los Angeles Lakers. We see them falling off a little bit. And. It wasn't because of their level of play. It was just because a lot of players aren't playing. You have Kawhi Leonard not playing in. Basically, I haven't seen him play since the first game. John Wall hasn't been playing in back-to-back, so he's only been playing about once or twice every week. So with all these players going not playing, are you concerned with the Clippers right now? Um, I feel like health always has some sort of cause for concern because I over time you develop chemistry by playing with these players and they have brought in new talent like John Wall and really Norman Powell. I still think he's some sort somewhat of a new player. Um, there's so many question marks around this team, but like as we see, John Wall isn't playing back to backs right now, and Kawhi this he's not even traveling for their upcoming road trip. So, um, this team really on paper is just so so good and they would be if all of them were healthy but the this one thing being said is just that they can't get experience by playing together if you're not all playing together so what do you think do you think that this has cause for concern oh this definitely causes concern i mean i've seen this story like it's a history book this i've been i've seen this story so many times consecutive after consecutive years after consecutive years with Kawhi leonard um, we saw in San Antonio, he got injured. Okay, that's fine. Raptors, he got traded to the Raptors. Um, he got load management, and he wasn't playing as much as he should have. But, hey, it worked out. They got the championship, and he went to the Clippers. And we all thought that recipe for success was going to work until it didn't work in 2020, where he basically sat out a lot of games, made sure he was in check, and get ready for the playoffs. Until we saw what happened in the playoffs, where the Clippers choked the 3-1 lead to Denver. They're like, okay, let's run it back next year. They'll be fine. Nope. They say... They, they sat Kawhi Leonard, didn't let him play back-to-backs, you know, just make sure he's in check, right? And then he has a freak accident on the court, and, you know, we all know what happens afterward. So, him returning again from injury, I know the best way to do it is just, you know, let, let him rest, let him recover, get him slowly grooming into the season. But when you do that and not have this guy play for a long time, for like, no back-to-backs, all that stuff, it's going to really screw with his body because when playoff time comes around, this guy's not going to be playing 25 minutes a game. He's playing 35, almost 40 minutes, depending how the game goes. This guy's playing a lot of minutes, and that's going to really build up in a series. So if you're not playing him around 30 minutes a night, I know you're trying to conserve his energy, conserve his body, 
But when playoff times comes around, actually, it's not even going to lower a risk of injury. If actually, it's going to be a higher risk of injury because his body's not accustomed to playing so many minutes. If I'm the coach, if I'm Tyron Liu, I'm trying to get Kawhi Leonard on the court as much as possible. I know he's not going to be playing 30 minutes a game. Maybe cut it to like 20, 25 minutes a game and slowly ramp it up to 27, 28. Then let's ramp it up to 30 slowly. But this guy has to be playing. He cannot be sitting back-to-back games. He cannot be taking days off because when that happens, we see what happens in the playoffs. He's just not able to stay on the court. They're not going to develop chemistry. Injuries are a higher risk to happen. Yeah, and um, I saw a crazy stat somewhat recently. Um, Andrew Wiggins has more career-played games than Kawhi Leonard. I I think that his entire career, he's kind of been like coming back from an injury since the Spurs days, really. like He came back from Toronto, got injured, started playing with the Clippers, got injured again. And it's just, it's so bad. Like, I, I really don't wish anyone to go through the, like, amount of injuries that Kawhi Leonard has. But battling back constantly, it kind of demoralizes you. And I don't know if that's the case for Kawhi, but he's really struggling to get back. And I know he wants to be out there more than anything as a player, but maybe the front office just has to be more lenient. I don't know what they have to do, but something needs to change within that team because if you have your most pivotal player not playing as much time as he'd like to, it's going to cause problems. I just want to add another thing too with um, Kawhi Leonard not playing with a lot of these players aren't playing. Not only does it create chemistry issues as well, but there's going to be times where they lose games where they should have won. Um, We saw just yesterday they played the Houston Rockets and the Rockets, they're not the best of teams. They're probably taking for Webb and Yama. They only won because Paul George hit a game winner on them. So if they're kind of competing against the Houston Rockets and you're supposed to be a team trying to win a championship, there's going to be games where you lose. And the Houston Rockets, they're a young team. They're not competing for a championship. Let's just say Houston won that game. That's a game lost in the tough, tough West with all of these teams with, U- uh, not Utah, Memphis, Denver, I mean, Warriors. Utah, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Utah. Bro. We all know Utah Utah's not winning the championship. You know they're going for Wemby. I don't know what they're doing right now. But yeah. you have the West, which is it's so stacked with so many players, and tell me what you want. But standings does play a matter. I don't care if you like. I don't know. If you're, I don't care if you're in the top six and you don't have to play in play in tournament. That playoff spot still matters. It's going. It's literally to, to determines who you're going to play if you get home court and all that stuff. So for the Clippers, if you don't have a high, uh, a high standing, right? That means you have to play on the road more. You have to travel more, and let's just say you don't get a great seating. You have to play a team that you know can cause trouble to you. That's not going to go well in your favor. So they need to be able to stay on top of their game, have the players play in the top of their shape, and get good high standings because if they keep screwing around, it's not going to be well for them in the playoffs. For sure. I, I completely agree. All right, let's move on to our last segment. So with the first two weeks in the NBA gone, who's your early MVP pick right now? Huh. Um, We've seen so many talented players like kind of take off this year. But one, I feel like that, I mean... I have to go with is Luka Doncic. He's doing everything for his team right now. And like in the games that he's played, it looks like no one can guard him. So I'm going to have to go with the Luka wave. I think that he's going to really impress throughout this year. And really just like that team, like Christian Wood is playing really well too. And I think that's really going under the radar. But this team is definitely going to go relatively deep in the playoffs, I say. And it's going to be because of Luka Doncic, and I think he's going to be recognized as an MVP this year, and it's only bound to happen. Like, Luka is going to be an MVP one day, so... Oh, definitely, yeah. I, I think that this year may be the year for him. I love that pick. I love Luka. I do think he's going to be an MVP team. I think he's going to be an MVP soon. 
I don't think they're going to be in the top four seed though in the West, and that does play a really fi- big factor. Uh, right now, the I think the Mavericks are what three and three, so right now they're about like ninth, tenth. I know it's early, so it's going to change for sure. But uh, I don't know. I don't see the Mavericks getting that top seed, so I don't see Luca getting that. I think Giannis somehow is going to win it. I don't think he's going to win it to be completely honest because of voter fatigue, but. For me, what I've seen so far, Giannis rightfully should be deservingly of the MVP. He is the only his team is the only team that's undefeated still in the NBA. Over they six and zero, and they don't even have their second best player in Chris Middleton. He's literally doing it all for this Milwaukee Bucks team without their second best player. There's nothing to be said about Giannis. We know what he can bring to the table. I think he's deservingly should win another MVP this year. Fully. Um, one thing I did want to comment on though is that the only re- like legitimate team I feel like the Bucks have played this year so far is the Seventy Sixers. Other than that, their team, the teams that they've played are relatively, like, at max maximum are like a low playoff team. They haven't really faced that much big competition yet, and so, I'm the six and no record does jump out, but it also does have to do with scheduling as well. I think Giannis is a terrific player, and I mean he just had like a couple forty point games, so really nothing could be said for what he's doing right now. And I completely agree. Voter fatigue is so prevalent in today's day and age; it sucks. But yeah, I don't know if he'll necessarily win it. He's gonna be in the running for the next like five years because oh, he's yeah. he's just that type of player. And so uh, hopefully he does like if he deserves it, he wins it. But I really don't think it's gonna happen. But yeah, yeah, it's a long season. It's only two weeks. A lot of things can change. We saw a couple years, like we've seen it throughout so many times this, in a couple years where you have this one player get into the MVP conversation, but he's not even in the top five anymore later on. So early season, we'll see where it goes in like a couple weeks, but that's all we have for today. Laurie Markin and MVP? <laughs> that's going to be my, I thought, well, that was my sleeper pick, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. But that's all for we have today. For more episodes, check out Top House Sports on Spotify. I'm Hansel Chill along with Katie Mutemid, and we'll see you next time.